0: Today in India, believers in Jesus can be interrogated or even jailed for sharing their faith. But Brother Raj says if he or one of our brothers and sisters in Christ is jailed, It's just an opportunity to share Christ
1: in a new place. Even if God allows us to go and live in the jail for a few months, what's wrong with that? (laughs) We will go. All these guys are going for wrong reason. Let's go for the right reason. Take it as a privilege and go and be there. Spend more good time with the Lord. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them he sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in the studio this week in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with a gospel worker from India. Now, we are just going to use one name. If you are a longtime listener to VOM Radio, you know that is often how it is. Uh, We don't want to compromise the security of people who are working in hostile and restricted nations. Brother Raj is here this week. He is a ministry leader from India, We're going to hear about his testimony. We're going to hear about what is happening for Christians in India right now. Brother Raj, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. I want to start out with just hearing how you came to faith because I know you were born into a Hindu family and Jesus reached you. How did that happen?
1: When I was a teenager, I joined a college to do my bachelor's degree. Uh, During that time, I was in a bad friendship circles and uh, stopped going to the college and uh, start living as I want. And it continued for almost four years. As my parents were not aware, they were thinking I'm going to finish my fourth year of my degree. Then they come to know that uh, I did not even go to the college. So they were very much upset and tried to help me to come out of from all my bad habits. They have invited a hypnotist. They have invited a psychiatrist. I was in a great depression. I decided to end up my life. And one day I attempted suicide. I have taken around 25 sleeping pills. But my friends have seen that, and they admitted me in the hospital. So during that time, one of my friends, who is a Hindu friend also, he's also Hindu, not a Christian, and he came and he told me, So you just go to the church and take a baptism, all your problems will be solved. So your
0: Hindu friend suggested that you go to a church and be baptized.
1: Yeah, and then he said, all my problems will be solved. (laughs) And I went to the church, and it was a three-hour service. I met the pastor, and I had asked him, can you give me baptism? So he said, no, no, we will not give like that. You should read Bible. You should understand the content of Bible. And he also suggested me to read the testimonies of uh, different people from Hindu background, from other backgrounds who accepted the Lord. I was so impressed to read some testimonies. They said, God can speak to us. And uh, it was out of my worldview for me, if God wanted to speak, I had to go to Himalayas. I had to spend years and years. Finally, God will appear. That's what we have read in our stories. But here in the Bible and uh, in the testimonies, what I have read is we are in the bondage, and Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, and uh, he rose again on the third day to give a new life to us. And if we accept Jesus And we can reconcile with God, and we can have fellowship with God. And also I read that scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. Then I I, I thought, let me try Jesus. And I confessed my sins, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I continued to read the Bible. It took almost six months for me to transform from my past life to a new life. And it was 30 years back I have taken the decision. My life had changed. I did not turn back. I'm still following Jesus closely.
0: Amen. We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Raj. He is a ministry leader from India. So you mentioned it was a six-month process between (laughs) going to be baptized, just thinking, okay, this will solve my problems, to actually believing in Christ and wanting to follow him, What was your parents' response to this? Because I can't imagine that they were very excited that their Hindu son is now saying, I'm not a Hindu anymore, I'm a follower of Jesus.
1: They tried all the options through secretaries hypnotist, and then finally they thought uh, their son is lost. And here uh, I was able to come out of from all my depression, all my habits, and I was very obedient after I accepted Christ. Uh, they were quite happy, and they did not say anything bad for me going to the church and reading Bible. So that was a kind of a blessing, actually, in one way.
0: Definitely a blessing. So, they saw that Christ made a difference in your life. Our our son, who was depressed and suicidal, is now not depressed, and he's obedient and easy to get along with. So they liked the difference. They didn't necessarily care that it came from being a Christian. True. What about other people around you? Did, did you face any kind of pushback for following Christ?
1: Yeah, uh, from my relatives and from my neighbors. And uh, they have started at me, and this guy became a follower of Christ and became a Christian, left your religion, and they talked so much. But I used to spend time with them, and I used to explain why I accepted Christ and what changes happened. I told them I did not change my name. I did not do anything changes outside. Only I have given my life to Jesus. That really transformed my life. And, uh, but some of them continue to teach. But some of my friends actually listen to me, and then they come to know the Lord after a few months.
0: Amen. So how did you get involved then in ministry and in sharing the gospel and in helping others come to faith as well?
1: You see, as I come from southern part of India where we have a lot of uh, believers around us, Uh, I have attended a missions conference conducted by a student organization. In that missions conference, I have seen the the great need of Uh, in North India to be as a witness in the universities. The speaker challenged the South Indian students to go as a kind of a missionary students to the universities in northern part of India to be a witness to share the good news to the students in North India. And I felt a strong call I should spend at least three, four years in the university in northern part of India. I prayed to the Lord I got the confirmation. So I moved from South India to northern part of India in 1996. And uh, now it's almost 28 years I've been serving the Lord there. Four years I was in the university, I was able to share the gospel to so many students in my class and also in the campus there. And few of them accepted the Lord after four years. With that, we have started the first fellowship for the university students. And in 1999, I felt a strong call. We should start a, a training center and train up the grassroots people to send them to plant churches in the remote villages of North India. That's where we started in 1999, uh, fully involved in the ministry for the past 24 years.
0: You mentioned the the move from South India to North India. More Christians would be in South India. Is there less persecution in South India, or at this point in time, is it
1: kind of uniform throughout the country? Uh, In overall, the South India and northeastern part of India, uh, for decades, the persecution was very less. But the recent years, in the last three years, even the even in South India, Northeast India, the persecution level started to grow. But in overall, if you see the highest persecution for Christians is in North India.
0: Okay. So you knew that when you're going up to North India for ministry, you knew you were going into a harder place. How did you think about the possibility of persecution and the possibility that, hey, we are going to a place that's less Christian, where there's more chance of being persecuted. What was kind of your mindset in in making that transition?
1: See, uh, if I felt after accepting the Lord, I know I'm serving the God who control this universe. And uh, if he says something, and if I obey, and he will give me strength and courage, to do the things. That was a kind of a strong faith uh, I had after accepting the Jesus. So when I decided to go, I know God is with me, and uh, he led me to northern part of India with a purpose. So I continued to serve the Lord. And one of the first incident that I faced, it was 1998. I was called by the crime branch head, and they harassed me for almost two days from morning. Nine, they used to call me and used to send 5 p.m. in the evening. Two days, uh, it was a, such a hard time. They did not put me in the jail, but it was a psychological harassment. Uh, I was literally cried by the questions they asked, by the way they abused. And uh, that was a very painful first incident of persecution in my life.
0: How did God sustain you through that kind of first really painful, jarring situation?
1: After that, I understood that is a kind of a psychological harassment and creating a fear technique that the police and the intelligence they use, and even the fanatic groups they use, creating a fear on the people, mainly in the Christians and missionaries, so that they will be scared and they will stop sharing the gospel. They go back to their hometowns, but I uh, I understood that it is a, a a fear tactic to oppress people, and uh, from that time I learned. And now after 25 years, I don't fear. I can talk to the intelligence. I can talk to the chief police officer without any fear because I know I have uh, I'm not involved anything against the constitution of India. And uh, whatever the freedom that Indian constitution had given, and I'm following that, I'm sharing my faith. So really, the two days of harassment helped me to understand all these fear tactics by these groups. And it gave me more courage, and it helped me to face all the persecution events in the past 24 years.
0: It's interesting that you say that their desire is to make you afraid. I just am thinking of all the times in the Bible it says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Their whole goal is to create that fear so that you will be quiet, be silent, do not share your faith, do not talk to people about Jesus As you're talking with new believers and in your ministry role, you're helping people get involved in ministry and go out to some of the rural villages, how do you prepare them? How do you equip them to not be afraid, even when they're in the police station, even when they're being interrogated or questioned? How do you get them ready to face that and still maintain their faithfulness?
1: Yeah, as we train up the new believers now for the ministry, and we explain to them the promises of God that is written in the Bible, and we tell them our oh, God is not a liar and whatever he says, and he will be with us in the midst of any persecution, we encourage them to believe the promises that is in the Bible and trust in him. We encourage them, and we also help them to understand the treasure uh, treasure tactics, how these fanatic groups, police, intelligence, how they create a fear, and how do we need to confront those things wisely. And uh, that really helped many of them. Otherwise, they could have left the places where they have been serving.
0: What I'm hearing you saying is that there's both a a spiritual preparation, a focus on God, a focus on what the Scripture says and God's promises. And there's also a kind of a practical preparation of, okay, when they ask this question, here's how you can answer it. Here's what you can say. Exactly. So it's kind of both both sides of the coin to help people get ready for that. What do you hear from people? And I think even in your story, you say that that first time, those two days being questioned and interrogated, that was so difficult. But now when you have conversations with the police, you're not afraid at all. What do you hear from people who are now going through that first time when they do have that fear, that, that natural sense of, oh, this is unfamiliar territory, I'm afraid, what's gonna happen to me? How do you hear them after that first encounter with, with persecution? Uh,
1: many of my friends, when they faced uh, this kind of interrogation or the uh, persecution event, when people come and start beating them, and uh, the first time they were so scared. But after passing through that incident and after understanding all these things, how they use these kind of threats to discourage, and uh, from the second time they are more courageous and more strong in their faith. We also encourage them. See, in many in India, even the top politicians, uh, who are the top police officers, the chief of uh, we call it home ministers, ex home ministers, and uh, the billionaires, they are going to prison for the wrong reasons. For they're staying in three months, four months, some of them six months, for wrong reasons. All these big guys were in the jail, and we encourage our people. And our fellow workers, even if God allows us to go and live in the jail for a few months, what, what's, what's wrong with that? We will go <laughs> and we are not going to hell. All these guys are going for wrong reason. Let's go for the right reason. But don't be foolish and don't uh, invite the persecution. But if it happens, take it as a privilege and go and be there and uh, spend more good time with the Lord. And uh, that's really encouragement to many of them. And uh, for me also, it was encouragement. So we get rid of all these fears going to jail and facing cases with that.
0: Amen. Do, do not be afraid. We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Raj. He is a ministry leader in India. Raj, you mentioned you started in ministry way back now, 30 years ago. How have you seen persecution in India change over the 30 years? Or or has it changed in, in the 30 years that you've been working?
1: Uh, the, for the past 30 years, the persecution is really increased many folds. I have not seen in 30 years uh, the incident that happened in the last three years mainly, and it just going worse to worse. Sometimes we feel whether we are living in a democratic country, and uh, it was uh, quite painful to see some of the things that is happening for the past three years.
0: And what, what's changed? What is the cause of the, the more intense
1: persecution
0: that's happening today?
1: Uh, one of the main reasons is uh, the police department, intelligence departments, and uh, even the courts, uh, they're all controlled by the fanatic groups. I'm not saying all the uh, the top leaders the politicians are bad but because of the some of the a few percentage of the politicians coming from the fanatic hindu backgrounds and they are in a top positions they are controlling the systems police departments intelligence and even the judges they are controlling and uh, that is the worst things we have been seeing for the last few years
0: and it's interesting, and you talked about it earlier, the, the Constitution says you're free to be a Christian, you're even free to change your faith, but if the people in power at the current moment don't say that, uh, there, there's kind of a battle going on between what the Constitution says and, and the kinds of enforcement the government's actually doing.
1: Yeah, I think the the problem is uh, what they have done in some of the states is they introduce anti-conversion bill, and they will not call anti-conversion bill. They call it Freedom of Religious Act, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, because if they if they call it anti-conversion, they are going against the constitution. Mm-hmm. So they call it Freedom of Religion <laughs> Act, and then they amended uh, some of the things. So that creates more problem to the people who are sharing the gospel. Like if any state in India have anti-conversion bill, the freedom of religion bill, if somebody goes and complains, this Raj is trying to convert me to become Christian, the police are immediately filing a case against us, And then you have to fight the case for years to close the case. So they are misusing the existing law, and also they are misusing the the new amendments that were done in the Freedom of Religion Act or the anti-conversion bills. So
0: with these new laws that are passing, is that changing your strategy within the church, within the uh, trying to do outreach, trying to go into new villages? Are you having to change your strategy, or are you just going forward knowing that, yeah, we're probably going to face persecution, but— This is what God's called us to do.
1: Yeah, we almost—we changed the way we have been doing the things. Ninety percent of the ways are different than what we have been doing in the past. And we are using the social media and uh, with a— uh, clear passwords, not to be too public. And uh, the, the meetings, we used to have larger meetings. Now we have mostly the house gatherings in different locations. The whole strategy changed. Mm-hmm.
0: We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Raj. He is a ministry leader in India. So Raj, if you send a pastor out to one of those rural villages and and he's planting a church there, he's having meetings in houses, he meets somebody and leads them to faith in Christ. What, what are they likely to endure or to face after they come to Christ in a small village somewhere in India?
1: I think the first thing, they face uh, problems from their family members most of the time, and then their relatives, and then the neighbors. And then the pastor who shared the gospel also will face the problem because of uh, because of this person's uh, the faith. So both
0: the person who came to faith and the person who shared the gospel with them potentially are going to face problems. Yes. For the pastor, how hard is it for him to get kicked out of that village, or or is? Is that one possibility, or do people come in and burn down his house, or what what is that pastor likely to face?
1: Uh, It depends upon the village where it's located. Uh, Some villages are— very open. They will not do this kind of burning the churches, burning the house, and beating up the people. So it's case-to-case is different. Interesting. So, and does that depend on
0: which part of India you're in, or just each village kind of has its own unique personality?
1: Yeah, it depends which part of India you are. That's a primary. And secondary is whether you're near to a, a major town, because the more you go remote village, the more injustice can happen.
0: Okay. Okay. Farther away from uh, the eyes of the world. Yes. What is the training program like for the pastors that you're sending out? What what kind of a training process do they go through to be equipped and to be trained to go out in into one of those villages and, and share the gospel?
1: Uh, We actually uh, run the discipleship schools, then we give the church planting training. In discipleship courses, we mainly focus on knowing God intimately. We explain how important to have uh, spending time with God, quiet time, prayer, intercession. We ask them to focus on that uh, more. And then we Take how to share the gospel uh, in different ways through personal evangelism and through smaller meetings through different strategies how wisely we need to share the gospel and also we train them to understand different religions what they believe and what how the Bible or the Christianity why it is uh, special or why it is unique, and then present the gospel based on that. Sometimes the pastors and evangelists are not aware of others' faith, what they believe, like we have Hindus, we have Jains, we have Buddhists, and we have different religion, And it, it it's very important for the The pastor to know about different faiths and how do we present the gospel wisely. And uh, in that way, the, the people who are hearing can understand well and receive Christ. And then we go to the church planting. How do we build bridges of love instead of just taking a Bible, just go and preach? And we explain them we need to build the relationships. We need to build the trust before sharing the gospel because it's very important. We are not manipulating anybody, but we are, uh, as the Bible says, we should be wise like a snakes. And uh, so we explain to them, build relationships first. And based on that, we ask them to share the gospel.
0: We're talking this week on Voices of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Raj. He is a ministry leader in India Raj, there are some of our listeners at Voice of the Martyrs Radio who have maybe a friend or a coworker who is a Hindu. Maybe they're from India. Maybe they are from another part of the world. As as we here in the U.S. are reaching out to Hindu people around us, is there any advice that you would give us or any instruction about how to be effective in uh, making those relationships and, and guiding those conversations towards Jesus and towards faith.
1: They have to understand we experience the love of God and that transformed our life. And when we share the good news, we are sharing out of the love for the God and out of love for the people. Once they understand that, our heart is not to just change outside religion, but introducing Jesus so that that change their internal lives. And once they understand that, I'm sure uh, they hear the gospel, they read the Bible, and they will receive Christ.
0: Amen. I want to encourage you, if you are listening to Voice of the Martyrs Radio, let me know. Come to vomradio.net. Maybe share how you are reaching out to people of different faiths in your neighborhood or in your city, in your workplace, in your school. I would love to hear, especially as we're talking with Brother Raj, if you have Hindu friends that you are sharing the gospel with and that uh, ways that have been effective for you, we'd love to share those with other listeners here at Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Brother Raj, we always like to end up on the subject of prayer and uh, thinking about your story, thinking about the work that's going on in India today today. How do we pray? Let's talk about the country as a whole, but then also specifically for our Christian brothers and sisters in India. How can we pray for them this week?
1: Uh, As I mentioned previously, for the last three years, uh, the Christians, mainly the pastors and believers, mainly in northern part of India, been going through such a, a severe persecution. I request you all to pray for the believers and pastors in North, even in South, and even now in Northeastern part of India, let's have that uh, believers to have courage to trust God more and uh, to understand the persecution in more positive way so you can continue to pray so that they will stand in their faith and they are able to come out of the current situation.
0: Amen. And I would encourage you, as, as Raj has shared, even as they face persecution, let's pray for opportunities to witness, even being in jail. You, you mentioned, Raj, don't, not, don't be upset about being in jail. See it as an opportunity. Uh, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing, especially, as you said, the first time you go through that. I would encourage you this week, pray for the nation of India. Pray for our brothers and sisters there who are going through persecution, and uh, it has gotten harder. It's gotten more difficult in the last three years. Brother Raj, thank you so much for sharing with us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for your work in India, and we do pray God's blessings over you and your family there.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening this week to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the free Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Just come to vomradio.net, Click on the link at the top of the page that says free magazine. We would love to send that to you each month with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would take a few moments to rate and review this podcast, wherever it is that you're listening. That's a great way to help us reach new listeners with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. You can also help us reach new listeners by sharing this episode with a Christian friend and with your pastor. You can also give financially to support VOM's work helping persecuted Christians, providing Bibles, and supporting frontline ministry. Simply click on the Donate tab at the top of vomradio.net, or you can go directly vomradio.net slash donate. Thank you for taking the time to listen this week. I hope you'll join our conversation again next week to hear more stories of the faithfulness of persecuted Christians and the amazing things God is doing in hostile and restricted nations. All of that right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Podcast Network.